told how Rebbe Rashab was once talking to a Jew that had questions about angels. He said he believed in the Torah, he believed in doing mitzvot, but he had a difficulty with spirituality, and he never saw any angels. If the Rebbe Rashab would show him an angel, then he would believe in angels. At that time, the Rebbe Rashab was leaving the city, and he was traveling to what you call Dacha, which is the country. And this fellow came together with him in the wagon for the journey. And so the Rebbe Rashab began to explain to him as follows. He says, look, look what's happening right over here. You have the horses. And the horses are running very fast. And the driver, the Balagola, in those days used to put hay in front of the horses. So the horses would try to catch the hay. And that would speed them up to go even quicker. So the horses are running very fast to catch the hay. The Balagola, the wagon driver himself, he is thinking, the moment I get to my destination, how much money will I make from all my passengers in the wagon? And we, said the Rebbe Rashab, are talking about going to our destination. We are hoping to get to our destination. The fact that we are talking about getting to our destination and the fact that the wagon driver is thinking about his money and the horses are thinking about the hay they're going to eat doesn't change the fact that there are angels that exist. In other words, the horses can think about their hay. doesn't change the fact that we are talking about angels in the car. The same is true with the world around us. That the Torah talks about angels. In many places in the five books of Moses and many more places in the 24 books of the prophets, uh, the fact that some of us have not seen angels does not mean that there are no angels. So let us begin with looking into the sources where the Torah actually states the word, the word angels or refers to angels and try to understand what is the purpose behind these angels. I don't bring proofs from every passage in the Torah, but I chose numerous verses to expound upon and, and to bring as a proof. The first one in your syllabus is from Genesis 18.2, and there we talk about <coughs> Avram Avinu after his circumcision. You speak about Avram Avinu after he was circumcised. On the third day of the circumcision, it says, Vayisa ena vayad, he lifted up his eyes and he saw, There were three people that were standing there. Who are these three people? Says Rashi, these three people were three angels. Three angels came to visit Avram Avinu. Who were the three angels? The Torah does not say who they were, but the commentaries explain who they were. The three angels were known as the archangels of Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel. Malach Michael, or angel Michael, came to tell Sarah the good news. Because Michael, by nature, is the angel of kindness. Raphael came to heal Abraham from the circumcision. Raphael means healing. He also came to save Lot and his family from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah that was going to happen shortly after. And then you had the angel Gabriel, Gabriel, who came to turn over the city of Sodom. So these were the three 
angels that the Torah is referring to right over here. So again, the three were Mochel, Raphael, and Gabriel. Now, further, in Genesis 19.1, it goes on to say that the two angels came to Sodom. Here, the Torah uses the words uh, angels. Now, why are there only two if we started with three? And why does the Torah call them angels here? And by Abraham, does it call it Anoshim men? So these questions are discussed by the commentaries and there are various answers. But in short, by Avram Avinu, he was so used to seeing angels, so he called them men because it was natural for him. By Lot, it was not natural, and therefore it was called Malachim, for him it was actually angels. Why did Avram have three angels and Lot have only two angels? Because from here we learn a law, a rule about angels. And that is one angel cannot perform two missions. And therefore we needed three angels to do three separate missions. Mechoel came to deliver the good news. Now that he did his mission, he went back to his place in heaven. The other two angels continued on with their mission. Raphael, who healed Avraham, went now on to heal and protect Lot. And Gabriel, who did not fulfill his mission as of yet, now goes down to Sodom to turn it over. So these are the angels here in Genesis 18 and 19. In Genesis 22, we find the famous story how God tells Avram to take his only son, Yitzchak, for a sacrifice for a carbon and put him on the altar. Here the trader tells us, Vayikra elav malach Hashem. An angel from God called out, to Abraham and said, do not touch your son. So here again, we see the word malach, you see the concept angel. Now, before we go ahead, before we go further, to establish what is the meaning of a malach? What is the meaning of an angel? So in Judaism, a malach is really synonymous with angel because the word angel in English is taken from the late Latin and the late Greek from the word angelus which means an emissary a shaliach, a messenger a malach is a messenger from God they were sent by God on specific missions to fulfill God's desires, God's needs, God's wants, they are God's servants. They are called angels. Malachim. Now, Yaakov Avinu has a dream. He leaves his house. He's now going to find himself a wife. He goes to sleep on the mountain. It says, He has a dream about a ladder. On this ladder, he sees the angels of God going up and going down. Why are the angels first going up and then coming down? Says Rashi, there are two types of angels. These were angels of the land of Israel that were escorting Yaakov from Israel to outside of Israel. They had no passport, they had no visa, they could not leave Eretz Israel. The angels of Israel are not allowed to go outside of Israel. So therefore they go back up to heaven. And the Malachi Chutzla Aretz and the angels of the diaspora were coming down to escort Jacob outside of Israel. So here we see another rule about angels that angels are escorts. They are here to protect us, to protect the Jewish people, to protect the nations of the world, to protect people in general. That's their job. 
and each country has their ministering angel, and primarily the angels of Israel cannot go outside of Israel, and therefore there are different sets of angels. Similarly, we have angels of the weekday and the angels of Shabbos. How do we know that? Everybody knows this, because when we come home Friday night, before we eat the gefilte fish, before we eat the challah, what do we do? We sing Shalom Aleichem, Allah Yasharis. We begin to sing the Shalom Aleichem to the angels. We first of all say goodbye to the weekday angels, and we welcome in the Shabbos angels. So this is the concept of angels that change based on the, the day of the week and based on the geographical location of where they find themselves. Similarly, we find when Yaakov comes back home in Genesis 32, two, it says, Jacob went on his way and the angels of God encountered him. Now these were the angels of Israel coming back to meet him and bring him back into the land of Israel. Another example is found by Joseph. By Joseph, when Yaakov tells his son Joseph to go and find his brothers, where are they? It says over there in the Torah, in Genesis 37, it says over there, Vayim so'eyu ish, a man came upon him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, what are you looking for? This man approached Joseph and said, what are you looking for? Who was this man? Says the commentaries, this was angel Gabriel. Gabriel. Why is Gabriel over here? Gabriel is the angel of Gevura. The angel of fire, the angel of judgment. His job is, as we said earlier, to turn over Sodom and Gomorrah. Why is Gabriel meeting up with Joseph? Because he wants to be an obstruction, an obstacle for Joseph. Jacob tells Joseph, find your brothers. He is trying to give Joseph a hard time. He's testing Joseph. And therefore, he's making it difficult for Joseph to find his brothers. So, who would he give the job to? Not Michael, who's the kind, sweet angel of water. But rather, you give it to the strict angel of fire, Gabriel, the one, the angel of judgment. And therefore, he is the one that is going to test Joseph. We're going to skip now from, from the five books of Moses to the prophets, to Isaiah. In Isaiah, we find the terminology, Serafim Oimdim Mimalloi. The Serafim angels stood in attendance on him. We see a few things over here. Number one, Serafim, they're called Serafim. The angels have different names. There are ten groups or ten levels of angels, ten general levels of angels. However, in truth, there are many more levels than ten, but the Rambam gives us ten basic levels. In Kabbalah, we make it even more simple and we divide it into three general groups. The highest is called Serafim. Serafim means the fiery angels. They are full of passion and fire. And oimdim imaloi and sheish kunafayim. Three things we see over here. Number one is they have six wings. The fact that they have six wings alludes to the fact that they are found in the world of Bria. There are three basic worlds. The world of Asiya, action, this world. The world of Yitzira, which is the world of formation, and the world of Bria, the world of creation. And then, of course, there's the fourth world, which is beyond all worlds, called Atsilus, 
the world of emanation. Primarily, the Malachim angels are found in the world of Yitzira, which is the world of formation. Souls are primarily in the world of Bria, the world of creation. Souls are higher than angels. But then you have unique angels, which are Malachi Elyon, supernal angels, that are found in a higher world, in the world of Bria, in the world of creation. And they are the Serafim. They are the fiery angels. Now, Isaiah says, Serafim oimnim the Seraphim are standing above the world of Bria. They're now in the world of Atsilus. What are they doing there? They don't belong there. So the Baal Shem Tov says a very powerful thing. You know why the Seraphim are in the world of Atsilus? Because they want to be there. That's why. They want to be there. And the Rebbe points out a very powerful thing. We know that the statement of the Tzamech Tzedek that says, Trach Gut Gut. Think positive is going to be positive. But this concept is even stronger than the statement of the Baal Shem Tov, than the, the statement of the Tzemach Tzedek. The Serafim are standing in a totally different place because they want to be there. So if you want to be somewhere, that's where you're going to be. So it's up to your mind. It's about mindfulness. It's about where you want to be. It's about your will. If you want to do something, if you want to be somewhere, you are going to be there. Even the Serafim, who are from the world of Bria, have no place in the world of Atsilus. They are oimdim in Maloi. Why? Because they want to. Very powerful lesson that we can derive from the Serafim angels. They have six wings. However, they are still called oimdim, as we will soon expound upon. They are called standing. Angels stand. Humans move. We make quantum leaps. They don't. They move slowly within their category or a little bit beyond their, their comfort zone. But they don't have the ability to make massive quantum leaps. And therefore they are called Indim, as we'll soon see. Ezekiel. He also talks about the angels. In Ezekiel, we talk about the Makovr. There are four different types of faces of animals. And he goes on to explain the four faces. And he goes on to say that these angels have four wings, not six wings. The angels in the book of Yechezkel, or Ezekiel, are in the world of Yitzira. It's lower than the angels of Yeshaya. That's why they only have four wings, not six. The wings represent their power, their energy, to be able to soar higher. They can't get that high. They only have four wings. Only four engines. The Serafim have six engines. They go even higher. They soar even higher. They go to the higher world of Bria and even to the world of Atsilus. So these four faces, who are they? The face of the lion, the face of the ox, the face of the eagle, and the face of the man. In the Hasidus, we are told they represent the four archangels. Mechael, Gavriel, Uriel, and Raphael. Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and Uriel. These are the four angels that are represented by these four faces in the book of Ezekiel, and we will talk about it in great length, God willing, in the next class. So, what we're trying to establish here tonight is that Judaism does believe in angels, and we talk about angels throughout the entire Torah and the Bible.
Daniel, again, speaks about angels. He gives a description. First of all, he says, Vihine ish echad. There was a man. The word ish, our rabbis tell us, referred to ish Gabriel. Gabriel is called by the name of ish. And he goes on to say a description of his body, his hands, his feet, etc., etc., as it's brought down in Daniel 10, verses 5 and 6. Now, let's talk a bit about the angels, the description and function of the angels. So now that we established that there are angels, that we do believe in angels, and even though we don't see angels, they still exist. So what is the purpose of these angels? What is their function? Number one, their function is to protect us. As we saw by Jacob, Yaakov Avinu, when he left the land of Israel, he had one set of angels. When he went to Haran, he had another set of angels. But these angels are always protecting us, watching over us. These are, gar- these are, these are God's guards that protect us throughout the entire day. Number two is, the job of the angels are to polish our prayers. When we daven, we say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekeinu Hashem Achot. These words go up to heaven. They go to the Kisei Akavo, they go to God's divine throne. <coughs> the problem is as follows. We are human. And because we're human, our words are very heavy. So first of all, how do the, the words fly up? If the words are set down here, how do they go up? So they need wings. The Alter Rebbe writes in Tanya that the wings of mitzvahs, is Ava, Vira, love and fear. When a Jew does a mitzvah and prays with love and fear, then these are wings that carry up the words to heaven. However, even after that, the words are still too heavy, they're still too materialistic, there's too many accents. There's, there's Ashkenazic, there's Polish, there's Hungarian, there's Svadic, there's Ashkenazic, there's Chabad, there's Satmir, there's Babiv, there's Bresliv. They have all these different accents. The angels have to clean it all down. They, they wash down all the words. They cleanse it. They shine it. And they put crowns and little bows on every word. And they bring it up to Hashem. Like balloons with bows on top of it. Now you can only imagine. In the human body we have a stomach and we have a brain. They both are made out of tissue. But yet, the brain is much more refined than the stomach, than the intestines. So if you put food in the, intest- in the intestines, it's okay, you can survive. But God forbid, if one, one little morsel of bread gets into the brain, that's a stroke. So our food, or our words, are very heavy and very physical and corporeal. Therefore, they can't really reach the higher heavens unless the angels help and they lift up these words. And because of that, because of that schus, that they polish and they place crowns on our words, they have this schus, they have the merit to come and hear us learn Torah. And they have this schus, the merit to hear us pray. For them, it's a great honor. They come down to hear what? Are the Yidin, what are the Jews saying? What are they praying? What is the halacha, what is the law that the Beis Medrish or the synagogue or the Beth Din down here established? So that is their reward for helping us by polishing and elevating our prayers. Number three is the angels themselves serve God. We say, we say this every day in, in davening. I'm sure you guys have been in some rock concerts. Not me, but maybe you. And, but we know what happens there. You have the singers and the drummers going wild, and the crowd is shouting, screaming like maniacs, going crazy. Well, that's exactly how it is in heaven. 
Every day, there are myriads of myriads of myriads of angels screaming, shouting, praising God. Kodosh, Kodosh, Kodosh. Holy, holy, holy. So much so that we say that Vaifanim, the two lower levels of angels, which are called the Aifanim and the Chayus HaKodesh, Baraj Godel, with a tremendous Raj, with a tremendous scream and noise, Misnasim they elevate themselves to go to the angels that are called the Srafim. So, in other words, the Aifanim are in the world of Asiya. The Chayos are in the world of Yitzira, and both of them are moving up to go and connect themselves to the Eifanim, to the Serafim. So, the Eifanim, the Chayos, the Kodesh, Benaz, God, the Masnasim, the Yumas, the Serafim, the Yumas, the Meshabchim, and they also begin to praise God in the same way that the Serafim praise God. But they do a barrage with a tremendous noise, a tremendous loud noise, screaming. Why? Why are they screaming? So the Gemara says that the difference between the prophecy of Ezekiel and the prophecy of Isaiah is the difference between a ben krach and a ben kfar. One who was raised in a kfar is a village and one who was raised in a krach which is a city. When a city boy or a city girl sees the king, they have respect. They bow down. They don't go crazy. Why? I saw the king yesterday. I saw him the day before. It's not a new thing. But, but the farmer boy, the village boy and girl, never, ever saw the king. They never saw the parades. They never saw the guards. They never saw the palace. They go out of their mind. They go, oh my gosh, this is amazing. They go crazy. So the Fanim and the Chayas HaKodesh, they are the lower angels. And they were never exposed to this higher reality. And they go out of their minds. In truth, they all go out of their minds. So much so, they totally become extinct. They expire. They extinguish. And God recreates these myriads of myriads of millions of angels every day. He has his own fanfare. He doesn't need us. He has all the angels giving him all the compliments that he needs every single day. So this is one of the jobs of the angels to serve Hashem, to serve God. One of the lessons that we can learn from the angels is not to be so sophisticated like we think we are, like a Ben (coughs) Krach, and take Judaism hands down, calmly, yeah, I read this before, I heard this before, I know this, I know that. But rather to be like a child, to be like, like the, the Eifanim and the Chayis HaKodesh, these angels in the world of Asiya and Yitzira, that are from the Kfar, that are from the village, that get very excited over God, very excited over Judaism, very excited over spirituality, and this gives us a tremendous joy and and power in our prayers and in our study of Torah and this has the ability to not only inspire us but equally to inspire our neighbors a basic question why is it if Jews believe in angels and angels are real even though we don't see them and the fact that the horses are thinking about hey doesn't change the reality that angels exist, why don't we find any names of the angels in the five books of Moses? Why do we need the scholars, the Talmud, the commentaries to tell us who they are? <coughs> so there are two basic, basic answers to the question. Number one is, the angels don't want any credit. They are a messenger. Shliach shall Adam Kamoisei. A messenger of a man is like the man himself. The Allah is if Avram wants to marry Sarah, and Avram lives in Israel, and Sarah lives in New York, 
Avram Avinu or Avram can send a messenger to marry Sarah. He gives the messenger a ring and the messenger goes to Sarah and puts the ring on her finger from Avram in front of two witnesses and she is married to who? To Avram, not to the messenger. He is totally not there. The angel doesn't exist. In other words, he is simply doing the work of the sender. He doesn't want any credit. And number two is, the second reason why angels' names are not mentioned in the Bible is also the concern that we should not begin to pray to them. If we know that this angel does this and that angel does that, and they have powers to heal, their powers to give rain, maybe we will begin to, to pray to these angels. And so in the Bible, in the five books of Moses, we don't have the names of angels. Even though we do find already in the book of Daniel, the angel Michael mentioned, etc. But that was already later in history, and there are reasons for that. But in the five books of Moses, there are only concepts and allusions to angels, but no names. Now, how many angels are there? Daniel says, Daniel, in chapter 7, verse number 10, says that before God, there are thousands of thousands serving him, myriads of myriads standing before him. The Rebbe once said that if you want to explain to a child how many angels there are standing before God, you can tell him that in Washington, even the treasurer doesn't have so many pennies like there are angels. There are more angels in heaven before God than there are pennies. In other words, there are millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of angels. And, and this number that Daniel gave, which is thousands upon thousands and myriads upon myriads, the Gemara says are only the Rosh HaGadud, which means the heads of these groups, the heads of the tribes. But the angels themselves are unlimited, almost unlimited. Or reality, they are unlimited because they're on unlimited worlds. And in each world, you have millions and millions of angels. So at the end of the day, the angels are truly also unlimited. How big are the angels? How big is an angel? Is he 10 feet tall, 20 feet tall? The Medrash says like this. There are two opinions. The angel is one-third the size of the world. However, other opinions say the angel is three times the size of the world. How many wings do they have? We already explained. Some have two, some have four, some have six. Now, what is the difference between angels and souls? Number one is Zechariah, Zechariah 3 says, I grant you movers in middle of those that stand. In other words, I grant you movers and shakers amongst those that are standing. Who are those that are standing? The angels. The angels stand. People are movers and shakers because we can make quantum leaps. Number two, the angels were created by the name of Elikim. Bereshus but Elikim, when God created the world, he created with the name Elikim. Angels are called Malachi Elikim because they are created from the name of Elikim. People, Adam, especially God's chosen nation, are created by the name of Havaya. Ki Hashem Amor. That we have a soul which is a chilek elika mimal mamish. But we have the name of Yudke Vavke, the Tetragrammaton, Vayipach, Piap of Nishmas Chayim, God blew from his essence. Elikim represents the external level, which is words, were created with Elikim. But, but a soul was created with God's breath. So 
Our soul is created from God's breath, which alludes to the name of Havaya. The angels were created with God's speech, which alludes to Shem Elikim. Now, why are the angels called Malachi Elikim? Because they're created simply by the name of Elikim. Everything in the world is created by Elikim. We don't call cows the cows of God, the dogs of God, the cockroaches of God. We don't say that. Malachim, all the Malachi Elikim. Why? The first answer is because they are messengers of God. And because they are messengers of God, so we say they are Malach Elikim. We see they came to do a job. They came to do a mission. And we acknowledge that. The Rebbe has a deeper, deeper insight to this. An amazing insight. He says, when you see an angel, if God gave you the eyes to see, and even reading through the book of Daniel and Yecheskel, right? And Yeshaya, and you see these fiery angels, when you look at them and you see them with your mind's eye, you see power, you see, you see electrifying beings. You see Elohim, you see God in them. You see God in these animals. You don't see God necessarily in a cow. But when you see an angel, you see this is godly. This is powerful. Now, when it comes to man and woman, even though we have a even though we have a part of God himself, we are part of God's name, the Tetragrammaton. However, unfortunately, when we look at another human being, we don't always see it. A, we're not always messengers of God. We're not always doing God's will. And B, there are times we are violating the will of God. So we cannot be called Adam Havaya or people of God. But angels are called Malachi Elikim. Because when you see the angel, you see Elikim, you see this spiritual power and energy that is electrifying within the eyes and, and the wings of the angel. <clears throat> Another interesting point is that the Rebbe makes is that the angels are called Chayot HaKodesh. They're called Chayis HaKodesh. They're called holy animals. Now, the Rebbe says this already in Tanya. They're called holy animals because just like animals have no real free choice, angels don't really have free choice. They are spiritual robots. But more than that, the point the Rebbe makes is based on a mime of the Alter Rebbe, that the body of the angel is proportionate to the soul of the angel. So when you look at the body of the angel, that's three times the size of the world, you say, wow, that must have a big soul. Because look how big the body is. And this is true for all animals, all creatures in the world. The soul and the body are proportionate one to the other. There's only one exception. Us. Adam. Man and woman. The human being. Our body to our soul is totally disproportionate. Our souls are bigger than the angels. Yet we think of ourselves so small. So God hid this big, gigantic, humongous soul in this little, little vessel. That alone is a miracle. You have to think for one moment who you are. You got to think for one moment your power. If the angels can do all these things, then for sure you can do all these things. Don't limit yourself. Don't let your body scare you or hold you back from who you are. A very powerful concept. So up until now, we spoke about archangels. We spoke about angels that, that God produced and made. But in truth, we create our own angels. You don't have to be a Kabbalist to know this. 
in Ethics of Our Fathers. It says clearly in chapter 4, uh, mission number 11, that Eliezer ben Yaakov says, if you do one mitzvah, you acquire for yourself an advocate. If you do one sin, you acquire for yourself a prosecutor. So in other words, we do a good deed, you create a good angel. You do a bad deed, you create a bad angel. <coughs> and after 120 years, these angels are standing there and they are your advocates and your prosecutors. And the question is, when you put them on the scale, do you have more prosecutors or do you have more advocates? <laughs> now, uh, the Rebbe says, when you do a mitzvah, very important, when you do a mitzvah, with simcha, with joy, with kavana, with mindfulness, with concentration, you create a healthy, vibrant angel. Where you do a mitzvah, without joy, without conviction, without mindfulness, you create a non-healthy, meek, blemished, crippled angel. The same is true when you daven. If you say the words correctly, you say Shema Yisrael Hashem Elikeinu Hashem Echad. You are creating angels. Each word is an angel. You say a little bit of one of them. Good, no problem. All your angels are going to be. One of them missing an eyeball. One missing a toe. One missing a nose. Not a problem. One wing. Instead of two wings. So these are the angels that we create. Similarly, before you dive in, you're supposed to wash your mouth out, brush your teeth. Because if not, you create smelly angels. So we can create our own angels through prayer, through charity, through Torah study, through good deeds, and even through bad deeds. We create angels, bad angels. Okay, final story. Rabbi Nochem Stillerman, he was a delivery boy in the 1950s in Crown Heights. He used to go every week and drop off groceries at the house of Rebbe Sintchana, the Rebbe's mother. He used to converse with her on different topics. One week he says to her, I read in the Talks and Tales that the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, asked a question to his father, the Rebbe Rashab, can angels count? Can they multiply? Do they know math? That was the question. So, the Rebbe Rashab said, I don't know. I'm not sure if the angels know multiplication. But I do know for sure as follows. That if you say a capital Tehillim, if you say a chapter of Tehillim, you create an angel that will light a bulb in your chandelier in heaven, and that will spread tremendous light in heaven and tremendous light down here. That's a story I read, Rebbe Sintchana. Is it true? She says, yes, it's very true. And it, and it happens. It's a true story, and it also happens. Every time you say a capital tilim, you're actually lighting up a bulb in heaven that sheds light there and down here for you. This is the story that he tells. The Rebbe Zechana continued, however, before you have a chandelier, my young boy, you need to have a house. You can't just hang a chandelier in the street. You need a house. How do you build a house? You have to have a foundation. A foundation is through Torah, is through mitzvahs, is through prayer, is through charity. 
And she went on to say, through saying, Chitas, Chumash, Tanya every day, that is the way you build a good foundation, and that's the way you build a home. And then, you say, Kapitol Tilim, you create an angel that will light the chandelier. A week later, he says, he came back again to deliver groceries, and that time the Rebbe was there. The Rebbe was at his mother's house every day, which, by the way, is an amazing thing, considering the Rebbe's overwhelming daily schedule, yet he made time every day to walk over to his mother's house and spend time with her. So the next week the Rebbe was there, and he looked at the boy and said, No, Rabnachum, so tell me, how's the gate to palats? How's the palace going? He says, what palace? The palace that you're building. No, aren't you building this big palace? Says, oh yeah, you're right, I'm building the palace. And he said that he realized here that Rebbe's, the Rebbe's strength and sensitivity, that he knew every person and, and he cared about each person and he was able to relate to every person on their level. So this is the bottom line. The bottom line is that angels are real. If we see them or not, it doesn't change reality. Furthermore, not only does God create angels every day, not only do these angels help us, protect us, polish our prayers, and serve God, but we have the power to create our own angels. It's our free choice to make white, healthy, strong, powerful angels, or dark, meek, weak, bad, sick angels. It's up to us. So it's a free choice. It's a free world. So Hashem should give you the strength to make the right decisions, to do mitzvahs with joy, with simcha, with conviction, and hopefully one day, not only will you see the angels, but the angels will see you, because you will realize that you are truly greater and stronger and mightier than the angel. We hope and pray that the words of Torah will break through the heavens, create many good angels, and bring about the final redemption with the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days. Okay, we're going to take two questions. Anybody have questions? Go ahead, Barbara. Okay, so, so angels are also not e- eternal? Say that again. Angels are not eternal. There are two types of angels. There were angels created on day two, and angels created on day five. Mm-hmm. It's a discussion, but, but generally speaking, one of the days, depends on which opinion, others... Some say day five was the angels that are created every day. Day two were the angels that, that were the archangels that are eternal. Others say it was the other way around. But either way, yes, there are two types of angels. There are angels that are created every day, the myriads of angels. And then there are the archangels like Michal, Gabriel, Uriel, Raphael, and other ones that we will talk about next week, uh, Angel Matat, which is Hanoich, and others that, that are that are basically from the beginning of creation. I want to say eternal, because they did not exist before creation. They were created day two and day five. But, but yes, there are angels that are always working, doing their job, and then most of the angels are recreated every day. Our angels that we create are there forever, because they testify. After 120 years, but they were right there on the spot. They saw, they heard. So how come, yeah. the, how come we can't, let's say when somebody... We're praying for a refuah shlema yeah. for Sunday. Yeah. And we're doing everything possible, everything, everything, everything possible. Like yeah. Praying, learning, sadaka, you know, fasting, whatever. How come we can't save somebody? So this is for a different time and a longer discussion, but in short, Balshemto says a very powerful thing. Balshemto said every single prayer is acknowledged, and every single prayer accomplishes. So when you pray for healing, even though that person was not healed, it definitely brings another person healing. So every prayer you do creates angels, and every prayer you do brings healing and light into the world. Never think for one moment, that your prayers are in vain. There's no such thing as a prayer in vain. Why that person wasn't saved, 
God has his cheshbonus, he has his reckonings, he has his calculations, he has his files, he has his reasons. You know, if, if we knew well, why God did it, we'd be God. So we have to continue to kvetch and to complain and, and, and to be human and to pray. And God willing, God uh, will answer our prayers. And there are many prayers that are answered. So continue to pray. Yeah. When a person dies and goes to heaven, can they be made into an angel? So, this is for next week's discussion, but we find Eliyahu Navi, Elijah, became an angel after he died. He was a human, and according to Chassidus, he was actually an angel that became a human that later became an angel. We'll talk about that again next week. And then, and then um, you find that angel Matat, who we don't say his name, incomplete, because any name that's not in, in uh, Hebrew... It's, it's prohibited, according to Kabbalah, to say the complete name for reasons we'll talk about next week. Um, so, for example, Angel Matat was really Chanoich, or Enoch, that the world calls Enoch. He was Chanoich, and he was a human being, that God took him, and he became Matat, and he's the one who's really in charge of, of polishing all the, uh, the words for the prayers. Yeah. One more minute. One last question. Yeah. When we talk about Elohim versus Havaya, yes. you know, I know Havaya is supposed to be so, not supposed to, is such a level that we really cannot understand. Correct. Okay. Well, we're on the same page. So if we can't understand, okay, and you said that it's more of Hashem's essence as opposed to the superficial, so... So it's exactly what it is. We have, we have a much greater soul than the angels. We come from Havaya. Our powers are much stronger. But, but the whole purpose of the human being is that it's concealed in us. And our job is lech lecha, as we spoke this morning, to find ourselves. And by doing this, we become, instead of an oimid, someone who's standing, we become a mover and a shaker. It's because of this extreme. It's because of this, this thirst. because of, of this struggle that brings out who we really are. Yeah. And then once you find yourself, you have unlimited powers. <coughs> okay. Yet, yet,